listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. of Illinois of Chicago College of Pharmacy received an unrestricted educational grant from the FDA REMS Committee to provide continuing education to healthcare providers on the safe use of opioids. This CE series used academic detailing to deliver educational content. Academic detailing is a one-on-one healthcare provider outreach program. It provides accurate, non-commercial, and up-to-date drug information. It is a unique interactive program tailored for each healthcare provider through customized and focused discussions. The typical academic detailing visit lasts about 15 to 20 minutes and provides 0.5 hours of free continuing education. Our pharmacists are trained to provide tailored, unbiased, up-to-date drug information to assist clinicians in making evidence-based prescribing decisions for their patients. Hey, one of the most interesting aspects of being able to build a podcast network that is constantly paying attention to what pharmacists are doing to advance healthcare, to advance pharmacy care, is when we involve partners from pharmacy schools across the nation. Someone that was special to me that reached out to our organization to really help us build knowledge around opioid education and academic detailing and how they're leading a program for pharmacists listening, for pharmacists that might, pharmacy students that are thinking, what am I going to do in the future career of my PharmD? Um, I'm excited. Uh, Mary Moody, we're going into episode two of this um, of this series. Welcome back. It's great to see you and hear from you. I'm excited about this episode. Nice to see you too, Todd. Would you introduce our guest who um, is a is a big part of the organization, of the school, and of this special series? Sure. Um, so my uh, colleague is Stephanie Cooper. Uh, Dr. Cooper is a faculty member at the University of Illinois Chicago College of Pharmacy. She's one of our academic detailers. And uh, Stephanie has the pleasure of covering uh, the bottom half of the state of Illinois. So she has a very large geographical territory that she and one of her partners um, cover. And so she has a lot of really interesting experiences with academic detailing. Thank you, Mary. I also have been a big part of our REMS program. Um, so we recently received a grant and the REMS program offers academic detailing nationwide. So I've been a part of leading that initiative and getting our program all across the nation. Absolutely. Mary, I've been excited about this series coming to our network and our podcast listeners and really understanding how this can become a Mm -hmm. career track for our future PharmDs. Can you tell us more about the grant? Sure. Um, So this is an FDA REMS grant. REMS stands for Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategy. Um, These grants are designed to help educate practitioners and all ancillary healthcare providers on the safe use of opioid medication. Uh, Really developed as a result of the opioid crisis that we have here in the United States. And there are multiple grants that are awarded annually. 
we were lucky enough to receive a grant this past year. Um, in I think part of the reason that we were selected is because what we're offering is really an extremely unique approach to education. It's not the traditional uh, listen to a podcast, answer some questions, and then receive your credit. This is a, a very interactive peer-to-peer -peer education opportunity, and it's one-on-one. -on -one. And we basically target and, and um, focus our message on the needs of the prescriber. So it's a really different way to approach education. Um, it's been shown to be extremely effective in other venues. So I think that the folks that are in charge of the grant were really interested in seeing this applied. Mary, our philosophies um, are aligned. Um, we always believe that podcasting is a secondary or a tertiary means of fortifying a primary source of information and education. And that's why we've partnered with uh, continuing education organizations that have opportunities for in-classroom, remote learning, um, panel discussion, and then of course, podcasting as kind of a icing on the cake per se, but um, I'm excited that you've continued to push the envelope of multimedia and multi-administrations um, uh, of different types of education to really give more um, expansion of the use of our technology and of podcasting in general. I wanted to ask Stephanie, how did this all come about in the first place? Can you kind of go into that uh, for our listeners too as backdrop? Sure. So academic detailing is a fairly new concept. Most practitioners have no clue um, what even those terms mean. So in Illinois, we had started with just prescribers. So physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, and we had done several visits within our state. Um, using that data and those details, Mary was able to apply for the grant, was able to show some of the effectiveness of our detailing and some of the outcomes we've had across our state. So with those um, details and data, she was able to apply for the grant, which was able to make us go nationwide. It also included pharmacists in our education as well as nurses. Mary, would you like to add to any of that? Well, Actually, one of my colleagues in um, pharmacy administration uh, was alerted to the grant application, and he came to me and said, Mary, this is right up your alley. You guys are have been doing academic detailing. You've been focusing on opioid safety. You should take this to the next step. And so I got to give credit to um, Dr. Lee because he actually brought it to my attention. And then as Cooper said, we actually, you know, went through the process and then uh, were successful in, in obtaining this grant. This is interesting, and I don't think it's by chance. I think things are supposed to happen based on our adherence to evidence-based medicine mm -hmm. and innovation of pharmacy care. But guess what? We supported um, a opioid use disorder stigma program with the state of health and human services in, in the state of Pennsylvania through the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association. 
that was one of our first uh, series that we really did in the support of opioid uh, treatment from pharmacist mm -hmm. perspective. What a, what a blessing it was to push that. And now we have uh, you and Illinois Advance and the UIC School of Pharmacy supporting us in this next level. And I, like I said, I don't think it's by chance. I don't think it's serendipitous. I, I think it's meant to happen in, in basically driving new ways of educating our pharmacists as well as career opportunities because of the expansion of pharmacists in healthcare. You know, it, I wanted to let our listeners know, just in case you haven't listened to episode one, there will be a link in our show notes to take you back to episode one. But in our last episode, we did we discussed academic detailing the program, how pharmacists have a pivotal role in patient care as the most accessible healthcare professionals. And as such, the program is a resource, um, one of the uh, vital pillars of, of opioid use disorder care and treatment. So why is the ongoing relationship offered for pharmacists by this program such an important part of the program? I think that one of the things that, that we see and that we certainly agree with you, Todd, is that pharmacists have a, an expanding role in the delivery of healthcare today. I think that um, the unfortunate pandemic um, gave us an opportunity to shine and show all of the various um, skills that we have as healthcare professionals, how quickly we can jump in and, and be nimble. And I, I think that now that we um, have a little bit more um, confidence, I guess, from the community as a result of some of the things that have happened in the last few years, it's interesting to see how pharmacists are really in a unique position to help with the opioid crisis. I can't imagine that there's anyone in your audience today that hasn't been impacted by the opioid crisis, either with a direct family member, a neighbor down the street, an acquaintance. We right. all are struggling with the, the opioid crisis and, and certainly with the, the fentanyl crisis. So I think that we're all much more aware of the crisis um, personally. And I, the fact that we establish this relationship with our colleagues, it's not a one and done. So first of all, we have three programs as part of our um, complete series, I guess, um, that, that's part of the grant. And, and that looks at, you know, what are the, the current criteria for opioid use, uh, what are some of the issues related to um, opioid use disorder, you know, and, and how do we manage that? How do you talk to patients? How do you talk to providers? Um, but we offer up to four and a half hours of CE, all in 30-minute increments on various topics related to opioid use disorder. Plus, Cooper and her colleagues um, that are in the down in the trenches. Um, communicate with these pharmacists on a regular basis, answer questions that they might have, uh, provide additional resources. When the new guidelines came out, Cooper reached out to uh, the, the professionals that she had already detailed and, and let them know about the changes. Um, we're there to, you know, to add, if you have a stupid question, we're mm -hmm. there to, add, you know, to help you with it. Um, certainly the issue of stigma has come up, and I, I know Cooper can can probably talk about that. Um, it's sometimes hard to have a conversation with patients about their their uh, drug use. 
Um, and it's often difficult for providers. And Cooper has some tools that she can share with people to um, address the issue of stigma. And so there, this is not a one and done thing. We really develop these relationships. Yeah, I'll add to that, Mary. All of our conversations and every visit that we have with a pharmacist or a provider is different. We are not sitting down going through the same bullet points um, in every single visit. Uh, I think it's very unique. Uh, we do have resources for pharmacists, but we try to develop that relationship and build that trust so that the learner can ask the tough questions and not feel judged where they, you know, we're really struggling with stigma in our pharmacy or our technicians really um, need some additional resources to help combat that issue where they may not feel comfortable or may not have an opportunity to ask that in a larger um, continuing education session or just in a didactic PowerPoint. So we try and build that relationship and keep that communication two-way street so that we can really address the needs um, in their specific um, in their specific practice. So like Mary said, we try to keep it an ongoing relationship, build that trust. We have resources from stigma to different um, facilities in your community that you can help with your patients to, you know, get them into the translating program. material from English to Spanish, making sure that that's available uh, for those uh, individuals who may not have English as their primary language. So absolutely. So tons of resources depends on the learner and their um, what they want to target, what they want to focus on is what we will help supplement with resources that we have available. Mm -hmm. In prefacing this series, I spent some time talking with you, Mary, and realized that UIC School of Pharmacy had some very interesting participants, professors, researchers who were uniquely positioned to offer um, suggestions and resources for this content. So this is exciting. Can you tell us um, how you are uniquely positioned? Because I know, but I want you to share it with the listeners. Sure. Um, so... There are a lot of folks who are um, in the College of Pharmacy who are involved in looking at ways to address the opioid crisis. So we have uh, one of our colleagues, Dr. Jenny Jarrett, who is working with the College of Medicine, and they have, um, I'm going to call it the opioid van. Um, it has an official name, but I, I don't recall what that is. Um, the, the van actually goes to the west side of Chicago um, to a, a known um, area that drug dealers frequent, and it's right next to the needle exchange facility, and their focus is to identify um, any, any uh, individual who is interested in beginning opioid use disorder treatment. So medication-assisted therapy. Uh, they also provide screening to the individuals, HIV, um, PEP, and PrEP. Um, they get them um, enrolled in outpatient treatment if they have mental health issues. So it's a, it's a primary healthcare van, but its focus is really on medication-assisted therapy. 
We also have Dr. Uh, Todd Lee and his team that are working with our um, prescription monitoring program, um, developing some research methodology to look to see how academic detailing has impacted prescribing. So one of the um, reports that they issued is that as a result of academic detailing, we actually have been able to show a reduction in opioid prescription, um, opioid prescribing by one opioid prescription a month by prescribers. So we're seeing a decrease in opioid prescribing due to our academic detailing education. So working together with um, our practitioners who are out in the field, um, trying to uh, implement medication-assisted therapy, um, our researchers who are looking at ways to educate and to demonstrate that education works. And uh, we have some other individuals who are working um, in more of the bench research looking at um, alternatives to opioid therapy. So pretty exciting place. Okay, this is great. So my experience in the opioid treatment uh, services environment, I spent three and a half years with an organization out of Orlando, Florida that concentrated on medication-assisted treatment that combined physician uh, advisement, mm -hmm. nurse practitioner follow-up, pharmacist double checks on sometimes comorbidity or something else that was happening within the patient's life. So I like seeing that now it's coming to the point where it's being fortified into becoming a specialty opportunity for our pharmacists that are really interested in that. So this is exciting for me. I actually used to say there should be like either a master's or some kind of a board certified position for um, our MSLs that could become mm -hmm. specialists in different things. So I want to know, how does participation impact practice? That's a good question. Um, I think participation in our program helps to um, increase the level of confidence that prescribers as well as pharmacists have in approaching the patient about treatment. I think that we've all heard about treatment and we've all heard about failures in treatment. But I think that having the tools and education and understanding how treatment works and that it is a multimodal, multidisciplinary approach, I think it increases the, the um, pharmacist's confidence in intervening with a patient. And frankly, I spend more time with my pharmacist than I do with my doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I personally prefer to go to grocery store pharmacies because I'm in the grocery store a lot more than I'm anywhere, it seems yeah. like. And I have a really good relationship with my grocery store pharmacist because I see them at least once a week. Um, and I, I feel comfortable having conversations with them. Certainly, you know, people that go to the pharmacy once a month or more frequently for their chronic medications, it's a great opportunity for the pharmacist to, to really have that conversation with people especially those patients that are high risk. Um, I know Cooper can, can talk to that um, specifically, but you know we have a lot of elderly patients that are taking opioids and, and maybe they're taking them appropriately, but do they have naloxone available? And is that something that pharmacists should be working 
towards making a safer environment for the patient. I know, Cooper, in your experience, you've probably seen an increase in naloxone prescribing, haven't you? Yeah, so um, in the retail setting or the outpatient setting, I think the real goal uh, for our pharmacists there is to help improve our patient outcomes. Mm -hmm. It's not just about memorizing the material and the most up-to-date evidence, but it's about committing um, often in small practice to a change that can can result in actual um, better patient outcomes. So this is kind of how academic detailing separates us from the traditional CE articles and webinars. Um, We provide examples of some of the principles that can be applied in your practice. And then hopefully the goal from that would be to be able to apply that and no longer just trying to figure out how you might be able to intervene, but how can you make this work when you get back to work? So making it implementable and applicable in each setting. Because each setting- And I think they get tired of seeing Cooper because she calls them, she calls them up afterwards to check to see how are things going um, or to do the next um, installment of the CE program. And I, I think that continued uh, um, involvement in coaching really, because- yeah. Cooper and the rest of the team have a lot of experience talking to others, you know, and they know what works and what doesn't work in those environments. And they can share that with the other pharmacists. And, you know, I I think it's taking that first step and having somebody like Cooper or one of the other pharmacists that do the academic detailing just reinforce to you, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Well, Mary, isn't it interesting that when we look at some of the polls that are the consumer driven polls, we -hmm. see that our pharmacists are making the top three, or sometimes top two most trusted professional, not just healthcare, but we're talking about lawyers and plumbers and mechanics Mm -hmm. and people that are trusted throughout their communities. Pharmacists are constantly rated that high. There's a reason for that because pharmacists are approaching things from a very fortified perspective to rely on data to rely on their experiences administrating medications over short and long periods of time. And when I think of the trust that's built with the consumer, which is important, the trust built with the physicians and our nurse practitioners, that's even Mm -hmm. more important in some ways, where now your first visit, right? Your first visit, you're talking with the physician, you're educating the physician, maybe it's like a 30-minute, one-hour session, whatever it is. I want to know the impact that now is beyond that first visit because you've you've developed the sense of trust with another healthcare professional who now relies on you to become their kind of their coach and their guide to to how to best take the next step. So talk about the impact beyond that first visit. So pharmacists do have such an amazing role. Whether you're a pharmacist in charge, you're a consultant, maybe you're a member of a PNT committee, um, they really like our program because once we do that visit, they are interested in expanding. So it always, almost always triggers another thought, like what else can we do? Who else can we get involved? And then when we do those follow-up visits, they're, they're fairly quick visits, 15, 20 minutes. So we're not taking a whole lunch break from them. Um, it's a quick pop in, let's touch base, see how things are going um, and find something that we can work on together. 
So that really helps keep people up to date, keep everyone on the same page. It improves communication, especially with prescribing. Um, but then we also have to build programs from scratch. So once an idea comes up, um, we kind of start all over and see where we can take the next idea. We're not always um, following an A to B to C program. We're very flexible with where ideas and opportunities come up. So one visit almost always leads to seven, eight, nine, ten more. And I, I think the idea of just focusing on one aspect of care. So, you know, if 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 the physician in one of the questions that I, I know the pharmacists ask is, you know, tell us about your practice and, and about your opioid use. And if they say, yeah, I inherited a bunch of patients from a doctor who was retiring. I think that we get that a lot. Um, so now this younger physician has all these patients who are on high dose narcotics um, that they inherited from a doctor who retired and now they don't know what to do with them. So if we can give them one piece of, of, of advice and, you know, it, it's going back to the evidence again. So, you know, the first thing you can do is identify those patients who are high risk patients. And the first thing you need to do is get them on naloxone, get the naloxone there. So that's an easy, well, not easy, but it's a, a low hanging fruit. And then the next step is to try to reduce their opioid burden or Get them into medication-assisted therapy if you think they have, um, a, you know, a potential problem. But we, you know, if we just focus on one small change, I think, you know, it's like the elephant. You know, if you eat it in small bites, it's a little easier to digest than trying to take on the whole elephant. Um, so I, I think that that um, Stephanie and her colleagues really do a good job of trying to figure out where the pressure point is with that particular provider. Um, and, and really help to identify uh, where they can make a difference. And for the pharmacy students out there, we have 30 pharmacists that are doing this in the state of Illinois. Um, so this is definitely um, an opportunity for you. And there are other states that are, that are active in academic detailing as well. So if this is a type of career that you think you might be interested in, um, it's definitely a, a newer opportunity than um, maybe in the old days when Todd and I were in school. Hmm. All right. So puzzles, puzzle pieces. I want to just make a point here. Sure. I'm, a, I'm so excited. So, all right. We have pharmacogenomics. We have the use of CBD and THC mm -hmm. in therapy. We have pain management. We have um, people that are pregnant that are going through treatment. Do we do we see a pattern here? The pharmacist that that finally brings this extra knowledge and extra certification and extra kind of, I don't know, strength in, mm -hmm. in what you've learned is now able to empower the physician and the care teams with their knowledge of multiple things that are taking place as a specialist who's dug down into the specific information. So it's clear that your program is making waves. I do want to just take a pause and congratulate you. And I want you to share with, I know sometimes you don't want to brag on yourself, but you have to share with our listeners more about how you've been noticed and recognized for your work. So um, I'm excited about this. Robert, do you want to take a lead on that? 
Sure. Thank you for that acknowledgement, first and foremost. NARCAD, which is the National Resource Center for Academic Detailing, is kind of our big brother. We did a lot of training with their group um, that started a couple years ago. Since then, they have requested that we speak at some of their annual meetings, so that's been exciting. Um, the Illinois Academy of Family Physicians has become a partner with us. They promote our program to their membership. And then both state pharmacy associations in Illinois have asked us to talk about our unique program for their members. Um, since our REMS program started, we do have other state pharmacy organizations that have been reaching out to us. We're still trying to expand our program, but being noticed by some of these big organizations has been, it's been a blessing. It's awesome. I really appreciate the diligence, the consistency, and continuously to build on this program, because you know as well as I do, this is not the end. This is actually the beginning. <clears throat> yeah, that's exciting because I think of pharmacists that are listening right now. There are pharmacists who have been in retail or have been in a setting of pharmacy for five, 10 years who really want to get to the next level. They want to mm -hmm. go do something else. They want to dig down into their clinical expertise and knowledge. And some of them have a passion for their community who's suffering, who's impacted by opioid use disorder and how that impacts the family, how it impacts the communities, how it impacts um, healthcare in general. So this is an opportunity. I really want to take this moment to really come back to the education of this. Why is this form of education and the opioid topics, why is it so important to, to you and I, and but also our future pharmacists? I think it's important um, for all pharmacists and pharmacy students to really strive to work at the top of our license. So academic detailing is going to promote that guideline-based therapy decision-making. Um, our program is unaffected by any product bias, and it has been shown consistently that a team-based approach to disease management is most effective. So pharmacists have the resources to have effective conversations with patients and prescribers about opioid strategies, um, the need for naloxone, as we've said, and other non-pharmacologic alternatives to really treat the patient's pain and promote better patient outcomes. I think too, the pharmacist is, and you've mentioned this, Todd, in a number of your other podcasts, that the pharmacist is the trusted professional in the yeah. community. And we're in a very unique position to have conversations that are difficult with our patients. We have those conversations when they come to us with a diagnosis of cancer. They come, we, we have those difficult conversations when they have a loved one who is um, suffering and um, may have recently passed. They come to us because they trust us, they care about us, and I think that having that that strong relationship in, in the community, it's a perfect opportunity for us to really give back to the community and, and to our patients. And as, as Stephanie said, you know, our program is evidence-based. It's uh, available to any pharmacist in the country. Um, and so, you know, we want to make sure that we give folks the tools they need to be successful. All right. I remember back in the uh, director of strategy uh, for the 
um, the math centers that we had about 80 throughout the country. I remember in, in some of the new physicians we began to work with, including expansion of services that would move outside of our centers into doctor's offices, they needed to have something called the X waiver. And it's so crucial now that we know uh, that the X waiver is being lifted and naloxone laws are being updated but there's a lot of questions and concerns that pharmacists and healthcare professionals need to address. Pharmacists' number one purpose in medicine is safety. That's the mm-hmm. number one purpose of a pharmacist is the word. When I say the word pharmacist, it literally means to me, it means safety. It provides a, sen- a sense of, of trust and safety. That's why they're trusted. I mean, it's it's kind of like in a loop here or whatever, but can can you... Like I wanted you to fit more into and explain more to our listeners. How do you see your program fitting into this landscape? Well, number one, you hit it right on the head. No one understands what the heck is going on with the X waivers because it it was a moving target for so long. Um, Part of our educational program does educate the learner about the fact that X waivers are gone. You no longer have any restrictions on prescribing buprenorphine, which is awesome because we need patients to have access. Um, And certainly the availability of naloxone over the counter is probably going to make our job a little harder um, rather than easier. So we talk a little bit about how, uh, how we can still prescribe naloxone. Uh, Many states allow pharmacists to prescribe it. And it's still covered by insurance. Um, and you know, when the over-the-counter comes out, we'll have to figure out where that fits. But our education targets that. So I, I think that it's really important to make sure everybody understands, because there's a lot of rumors out there. We get questions all the time about, um, do I still have 30 patients that I can prescribe? Mm. Is yeah. that the limit? It's like, no, no, that's all gone. Um, so you know, trying to make sure that we can handle that is really important and um you know i i I think that uh you know having multiple visits with our prescribers uh, gives us that opportunity to address the x waiver um in in an appropriate time frame in addition the program that we have will meet the requirements that the dea has um now that they don't require an X waiver, now they require eight hours of CE for everybody on opioids mm-hmm. um, and, and opioid use disorder. So this particular educational series of this academic detailing program that we have does meet uh, the requirements for the DEA education. So you can at least get um, a couple hours of your eight hours of required education from our program. So that's another thing that we try to promote. All right. So I think of, once again, I've mentioned the evolution of our pharmacist in healthcare and and pharmacy care. I think of our specialists. I think of our senior care specialists. Mm -hmm. I think of our specialty pharmacists that focus on a a rare disease state. I think of our fertility pharmacists that focus on, I mean, you you know as well as I do, Mary, that it's the ball is gaining momentum in the mm-hmm. role of the pharmacist. It's a, it's amazing. So who should participate in this specific program that we need to give a shout out to? I personally believe that anyone who is involved in dispensing opioids 
needs to consider um, reviewing and participating in this program. Because Todd, you, you had the word right, the nail on the head, pharmacist means safety. Yep. Opioids are one of the highest risk drugs. So our program is really designed for specialists and for generalists and everything in between. So nurses, pharmacists, nurse practitioners, PAs, and doctors. So anybody involved in opioid therapy. So I don't think that any of our pharmacists um, need to be afraid because we, we really target it to where their practice is. So if they're a pain management pharmacist, what we're going to talk about is going to be different than if they're a pharmacist working in a retail setting um, who are dispensing medications. So Dan Schneider was the featured pharmacist in the in the story, the documentary called The Pharmacist that was put out by Netflix and the impact of the opioid use, um, uh, the opioid issue and, and use disorder and the impact of his life, right? He would have loved to have had the opportunity, and I'm going to reach out to Dan with this link and a shout out to you with all your work that you've done, Dan. Thank you for your pharmacist dedication to the nation. But I want someone like that to take this course to refine and sharpen and and give our community pharmacists an opportunity to help their communities. Our community pharmacy owners throughout the nation are serving their communities because they love their communities, even though that's their business. It's really a very cyclical, it's a it's a beautiful model that our independent community pharmacists are out there. So I'm going to promote this series and this opportunity for our community pharmacists to take advantage of this. Um, I also want to kind of just stop for or pause for a second. And really, I want you to walk me through a typical visit um, how many of these um, topics and and kind of meshing those puzzle pieces together, how do you offer? What And what do you offer? So a typical visit is usually going to last about 15 to 20 minutes. They're done virtually. So normally through a Zoom or Microsoft Teams booking, the participant will receive a half an hour of continuing education credit for each visit that they participate in. So the visit's gonna start with an introduction. We wanna know more about that particular learner, their practice site, their specialty. And then we move on to a needs assessment where we really try and determine how the material could best benefit that participant. The material will be presented um, typically with some statistics to establish the need for a behavior and prescribing change. We definitely open we definitely ask the open-ended question so that we can learn more about the clinician's approaches um, and then help to put that material into their practice. So during the conversation, we do identify some challenges that that clinician may have. Um, and we move through some of our key messages of the subject to really discuss uh, features and benefits and how they can apply to the participant. It is a really important point that the material is always focused on the needs of that participant, which again is different than some of our usual methods of obtaining CE. So when you read a CE article, it's up to the reader to figure out how they're going to apply that information. But with our academic detailing program, it's more of our detailer's responsibility to apply the information to the user. 
Um, we really tailor our conversations and try to recognize quality improvement aspects. Um, specifically for community pharmacists, the resources we can provide um, can be important part of their practice, especially again around patient care. And we have um, three programs that we focus on in the initial education, and that would include um, opioid use disorder, um, the current guidelines, and alternatives to opioids. So those are our three key programs. In addition to that, we have a number of other topics. Um, how to utilize the PMP um, in your state, the prescription monitoring program, um, how to manage um, and prescribe naloxone, uh, neonatal opioid withdrawal. So in some cases, that might be an area of interest. Um, opioid use disorder in special populations. So that would include pregnancy, um, individuals who are um, coming out of the criminal justice system. So that population, uh, veterans, individuals with PTSD, um, adolescents. Um, unfortunately, we have a lot of adolescents who are suffering from opioid use disorder or, um, you know, who need assistance with that. So there are a number of additional programs. And as Cooper mentioned, they're all virtual. They're all 15 to 20 minutes. Um, because we have a leave behind brochure that they can continue to review that um, accounts for the rest of the time to equal a 30 minute CE program. And the programs are approved for pharmacists, nurses, and prescriber education. All right, timing. Um, when are the visits offered and how can our pharmacists sign up? We're available on demand, so it's very convenient. Um, we accept online appointments Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, after that first visit, you have made your relationship with your detailer and you guys can schedule visits for future appointments based on the availability of the learner. So you only have to go through the website for that initial visit to get set up with a detailer and then we work with you to be available at the most convenient time for you. That's the flexibility we need. It's accommodating to our busy professionals and there's lots mm -hmm. of pharmacists out there looking to layer their knowledge and offer more services. We have a, a rise in consultant pharmacists who are now out there as mm -hmm. specialists in their community. So this is tied right into that entrepreneurial side of what it is to, to be a pharmacist. And so I wanna know more about the opioid topics that you offer too. So we have a, go ahead. Can you do the three, two, one? Yep, I'll count you in. And in three, two, one. So as Mary had mentioned earlier, we have nine topics available for our pharmacists. We have three that we consider our foundational topics, the CDC guidelines, um, where we discuss some of the recommended updates to the CDC guidelines. We have one on opioid alternatives, where we present the preferred alternatives to opioid prescribing in three chronic disease states. Um, in addition to some pharmacologic treatment, we do present resources for non-farm treatments as well. And then our third would be the opioid use disorder, 
which is such an important topic as the most accessible healthcare professional, pharmacists can help to identify patients at risk for OUD. Um, we can help refer those patients to treatment and safely provide the ongoing treatment for those patients. After completing those three core subjects, um, a participant can pick amongst our following additional topics. Um, more prevention related, we have the prescription drug monitoring program. We have a topic on naloxone and a topic on medication disposal. Um, if they're more interested in treatment related, we have the neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome and the treatment of pain and OUD in special populations. So depending on their interest, we can really take the education in any direction. Mary, it it really interested me at the very beginning and, and a shout out to your team. What an interesting and diverse uh, group of pharmacy educators. Um, that's kind of what I want to hear more about. Um, you know, tell me more about your team. Um, are you all pharmacists? Uh, we have 30 pharmacists. We also have three pharmacy technicians who assist us in some of the administrative um, activities, scheduling appointments, making sure the website's up to date, those kinds of things. Um, we have young pharmacists that are uh, relatively new to practice. We have uh, more experienced pharmacists who have been uh, practicing in retail and have moved into this position. They have a very unique perspective since they've been in the trenches and they understand the, the barriers and the obstacles in delivery of care in a community setting. And we have some pharmacists who practiced in the hospital setting where they're, they're dealing with more of the acute um, pain management kinds of situations. And so we have folks from all different um, types of practice that have joined our team um, and from different um, age groups. And so that makes it kind of fun for me, uh, understanding some of the new things that, you know, we're teaching students now that we never learned in pharmacy school. Um, some of the diseases that are here today weren't around when I was in school. And so, uh, you know, it's a little bit different ballgame than it, than it was um, back in the 70s when I was in school. <laughs> uh, geez, we are not giving our ages in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, my background in opioid use disorder treatment and understanding mm -hmm. the, how the pharmacist was actually at the time was underutilized, but it's it's really changing within that space. I think medication-assisted treatment centers and organizations that extend from the emergency room into treatment, both inpatient and outpatient, is interesting that the pharmacist role is now being more expanded through that. So I want to hear, how does this unique approach help pharmacists advance their role in the opioid use disorder treatment space? The pharmacists are one of the most accessible healthcare professionals. Um, two tools in improving patient care and patient outcomes are really leveraging that multidisciplinary team and strength strengthening the patient healthcare provider relationship. So arming our pharmacists with the knowledge and available resources helps them to recognize individuals that may need support. It's gonna give them tools for how to broach topics with both patients and other professionals, um, feel knowledgeable about where to search for that information, and then strengthen the relationship with the patient to help them feel supported as well. 
Um, pharmacists are in a unique position to reduce stigma associated with opioid abuse and misuse. Um, additionally, this is an area where there's a need for knowledge that we can no longer ignore. Uh, we mentioned the X waiver being lifted, many patients on long-term opioid therapy, understanding opioid use disorder and opioid dependence, and then the medication-assisted therapy is really necessary part of our toolkit as healthcare professionals. I think too, if, if a pharmacist completes this training, um, it's a it's a stepping stone. I, I think, as you said, Todd, there's additional knowledge, additional resources that a pharmacist can reach out to. But I think if you can have your team, a pharmacist, complete this training, you can confidently go to a practitioner and say, our pharmacy is ready to accept your medication-assisted therapy patients. Yeah. Our pharmacist pharmacy team is ready to accept the challenge of working with you to reduce the opioid use in your high-risk patients. We're here to be a partner in your, in your practice. And if that particular pharmacy can make that connection with the, with the prescriber in the community, I can certainly see where that would have an impact on their business model as well. Yep. And to be honest with you, Todd, I'm a big fan of pharmacist prescribing. Yep. And I see MAT therapy as a perfect opportunity for pharmacists in the community to prescribe and dispense medication-assisted therapy if we can get it passed um, by the legislature. And we certainly are looking at that in Illinois. Makes so much sense. Uh, this has been an exciting interview. Very much appreciate the knowledge. Before I let you go, I want to want to just ask a question, not to put you on the spot, but give me feedback from pharmacists who have participated in this uh, program, as well as if they've recommended um, or referred other colleagues to the program. So a lot of the feedback that we get is that our participants and learners love the program. It's very direct and interactive. It's a different approach to learning and it's unique. So in the beginning, there's a lot of hesitation. We don't know what academic detailing is. Why are we getting on a one-on-one -on -one call with somebody? Are they gonna put me on the spot? Mm -hmm. um, after the visit, the feedback is almost always positive. Like, thank you so much. They feel like they have something in their back pocket that they can take back to practice. Um, and our participants have stated that they are more comfortable dealing with some of the difficult um, struggles and obstacles in pharmacy, especially around opioid care. And once they do one, they often do many more. <laughs> Just the start. Well, yeah. this has been a, a wonderful interview. Really appreciate all the time that you went. You went through so much detail into really understanding the academic detailing, uh, our REMS uh, opioid education program. Um, by UIC, uh, University of Illinois, um, Illinois Chicago School of Pharmacy. I'm very proud of this. Thank you both for, um, for spending time with us and expanding on this program. Thanks, Todd. Thank you.